Thank you for tuning in to the Voice of the Victim podcast. We discuss a lot of sad and potentially triggering things on this show. We try to be as sensitive and cautious as possible, but if you are sensitive to things involving abuse and may be triggered, please think twice before listening to our show. There are over 700,000 sexual offenders in the United States alone. With all the social media these days, how can we protect ourselves and our children from these despicable predators? Welcome to the Voice of the Victim podcast, where we share stories of people who experienced horrible things and try to imagine what they went through, as well as look for opportunities that could have made a difference and encourage people to help others that are being abused. We talk about a lot of cases of abuse on our show. And we often use the phrase, if you see something, say something. But what do we need to watch for? We get a lot of anecdotal examples sprinkled throughout our stories that we can identify, but what are specific tactics and actions that we can watch for? Welcome to episode one of our new series, Identifying Abuse Tactics. This week we'll be discussing child grooming. Grooming can happen to anyone, no matter the age, but this week we're specifically focused on children. Welcome to the Voice of the Victim podcast. I am Rosie. And I'm Ryan. What? (laughs) That was a very radio voice. I was just trying something new. Interesting. Let us know if you like that. (laughs) Oh my gosh. This week's episode was inspired by us wanting to find a good resource in a podcast format for becoming educated on the different tactics of abusers. Um, because, you know, it's hard to find one place where you can go just to re-familiarize or familiarize yourself for the first time with different tactics we can watch out for. And so we did a little bit of digging and realized there's so many different types of situations we could pretty much make a series on it. So today, we know there's a lot of different types of tactics used, but we're specifically focusing on the targeting of children. And in the future, we'll cover other topics that relate to adults, like gaslighting and stuff like that. But to get started, um, we're going to focus on children. So is there anything that you want to talk about, Rosie, before we get started today? No, but it sounds like Quesadilla wants to say something. (laughs) I wonder if anybody can hear him meow. (laughs) Yeah, he likes to walk into the room and just... No, I think he's done ...make himself known. We can start. (laughs) ...himself. All right. So to get started, we want to read a page from RAIN.org. That's R-A-I-N-N. It stands for the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, and it's a national anti-sexual violence organization. And they have an article called Warning Signs for Young Children, and it shares some scary facts, but also some helpful tips. So, Rosie, will you read that for us? Yes. Um, The heading is Warning Signs for Young Children. Every nine minutes, government authorities respond to another report of sexual child sexual abuse. Child sexual abuse can include sexual contact with a child, but it may also include other actions, like exposing oneself, sharing obscene images, or taking inappropriate photos or videos of a child. 
These crimes can have a serious impact of the life and development of a child and can continue to impact the survivor later in life. Yeah, and I mean, that's a big part of the reason why we need to talk about it and try to avoid it before it happens, Mm -hmm. which is the main goal of this episode we're doing is so we can all be better educated because, I mean, a lot of the stuff we learned while making this outline was stuff that, you know, we kind of knew in the back of our minds, but, you know, we learned a lot along the way. So I think to have a resource like this where it's all in one spot will be really helpful. Right. Um, especially because if we can avoid it, then there's a lot of serious implications that happen later in life, just dealing with the PTSD and all that stuff that can hopefully be avoided. Learning the warning signs of child sexual abuse is often the first step to protecting a child that is in danger. If you can spot sexual abuse, you can stop it. So the first section is talking about signs that a child may have been sexually abused. So these are things that parents will want to watch out for. Uh, behavioral signs or physical warning signs. So Mm -hmm. let's get into that part. It's not always easy to spot sexual abuse because perpetrators often take steps to hide their actions. Some signs are easier to spot than others. For instance, some warning signs might be noticed by a caretaker or parent and are often red flags that the child needs medical attention. Listen to your instincts If you notice something that isn't right or someone is making you uncomfortable, even if you can't put your finger on why, it's important to talk to the child. Yeah, and this is a detail we'll be stressing throughout this episode, Mm -hmm. talking to the child. I like this paragraph a lot. Yeah, because, and especially trust, trust in your gut, talking to your child if you have any suspicions, or even if you don't, just having checkups regularly, um, making sure that your child is educated because, you know, sometimes we have low expectations of children. We don't think they can comprehend certain things like this, but I mean, just try to teach them. You might be surprised of what your child can actually understand because if they do know what's right and what's wrong and what's inappropriate and they feel comfortable talking to you about it, then that opens the door for them to be honest and open with you and hopefully, you know, can you can communicate with them and identify these things before it's too late. So let's talk about some physical well, warning first, signs. Oh. My mom, when I talked to her about my abuse in my past, she always says that she had gut feelings about things. Oh, really? But she never, there was never like anything standing up right in front of her that said this isn't right. Yeah. But she always said that, like... For instance, one time when I was still 14 and I was meeting up with my sexual, well, my abuser, and I had left, my mom was going to work. But again, she like got home somewhat early, but I was just coming home myself, walking in the rain. And she asked me, like, why are you walking home? Where did you go? Why are you all wet? And I was like, I just wanted to take a walk in the rain. And there was nothing she could say about it because she didn't know anything that actually had happened. But she said, like, that was so weird. And I I had a really weird feeling in my gut about it, but I didn't say anything. Mm -hmm. So just things like that. Yeah, that's like if she would have sat me down and pressed harder, who knows what would have happened. Yeah. What would have happened. Well, thank you for sharing that. And um, 
it's a little bit of a different situation because I guess the focus today is on smaller children. Right. That, you I know, guess what I'm saying is that children, no matter the age, aren't going to openly say what's happening. Yeah. Unless, like so you, you have said, to have you can that make them feel instinct. comfortable and ask them questions. But, okay. Well, let's talk about some physical warning signs. Sexually transmitted infections. So STIs, something I had to look up, but it's stuff like, you know, herpes, gonorrhea, that obviously a kid shouldn't have sexually transmitted infections, mm -hmm. you know. So this one's kind of obvious. Signs of trauma to the genital area, such as unexplained bleeding, bruising, or blood on the sheets. Yeah, there's another thing that... Which seems pretty obvious, really. Yeah. I mean... That's what I was about to say is... You're going to see bruises... Um, near a penis or a vagina, you're going to ask questions, right? Yeah, hopefully. So, like you said, these are both kind of obvious, but, you know, sometimes, you know, parents don't want to ex suspect the worst that's happening to their child, so sometimes right. they might try to brush it off as like, oh, that's weird, but I'm sure it's fine, you know? I don't know. I guess it depends on the parent, but... I, if I was a parent, I don't think I would want to believe that something like that was happening to my child. Right. I think that is the problem with a lot of parents. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's talk about some behavioral signs, uh, things that we can look for okay. just in the way the child's acting. Sexual behavior that is inappropriate for the child's age. Bedwetting or soiling the bed if the child has already outgrown these behaviors. Not wanting to be left alone with certain people. Or being afraid to be away from primary care t caregivers, especially if this is a new behavior. Yeah, and that's a detail that they stress is if it's a new behavior. Mm -hmm. Like if some if your child's been a certain way for their whole life, then you know that might not be something you need to worry about as much. But if their behavior suddenly changes when when there's a shift in who they've been with, you know, that could be something to keep an eye on tries to avoid removing clothing to change or bathe yeah so it's doesn't it seem like another one is if the young child starts becoming overly sexually interested too is that yeah, one already in there yeah that that was well, uh, it is it's the next one <laughs> yeah that's that's in the next okay section so let's move on to emotional signs right which I just said, but was dumb enough not to look ahead. No, no, that's good. I'm glad that you're interacting with this, you know, and bringing mm -hmm. out your own thoughts. Excessive talk about or talk about or knowledge of sexual topics, which I, the only reason why I bring this up is because it was in a episode of Law and Order that I was really into. Oh yeah, I remember. I don't remember. Was that when Olivia was trying to talk to the little boy and like find out why he was? I, I can't remember exactly. There's so many good ones, but that's what I was thinking of in my head. Yeah. Resuming behaviors that they have grown out of, such as thumb sucking, nightmares or fear of being alone at night, and excessive worry or fearfulness. Yeah, so, I mean, some of these things are normal for a kid. I know mm -hmm. I had nightmares and excessive worry when I was a kid. Were you a thumb sucker? I don't think so. But I did chew on my finger a lot. Oh, gross. Because, anyway, that's not important. 
but yeah, I think these are some helpful tips that mm-hmm. on this rain.org. So now let's get into what it says about signs that an adult may be hurting a child. Okay. Keeping children safe can be challenging since many perpetrators who sexually abuse children are in positions of trust. 93% of child sexual assault victims know the perpetrator. Hmm. That's interesting. Keeping a child away from the perpetrator may mean major changes in your life, even if you are outside of the child's family. Be cautious of an adult who spends time with children and exhibits the following behaviors. And before we show these behaviors, I just want to say we'll be talking more about grooming after we're done with this little Mm -hmm. article. And there's some details within the grooming process that, you know, if there's special attention given to those details, a lot of this kind of stuff can be avoided. Isn't that crazy? 93%. Yeah, are people that were already in their lives. They're so concerned about strangers, but for the most part, we got to be checking out the people in our families. Well, yeah, and as we get into the grooming process, Mm -hmm. it's people that we trust. It's people that have earned the trust of the adults around the child and of the child, and it's a scary thing. So these following behaviors are what we should be looking for. So you want to read those? Does not respect boundaries or listen when someone tells them no. Engages in touching that a child or child's parents slash guardians have indicated is unwanted. Tries to be a child's friend rather than filling an adult role in a child's life. Does not seem to have age-appropriate relationships. Talks with children about their personal problems or relationships. Spends time alone with children outside of their role in a child's life or makes up excuses to be alone with the child, expresses unusual interest in child's sexual development, such as commenting on sexual characteristics or sexualizing normal behaviors, gives a child gifts without occasion or reason, and spends a lot of time with your child or another child that you know. So, I mean, a lot of these could be innocent if they weren't combined with other ones of these you know but well some of them i mean not the um unusual interest in well, child sexual development that's why i said some of them oh, like okay. trying to be a child's friend you know like that can be normal especially if the person's not a parent right but it's combined with these other things and again these are behaviors that we want to be suspicious of you know, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of these are inappropriate, but it's just scary. Like, like you said, it's hard to draw the line between this is okay and this is not okay. Yeah. When you're trying to check the boxes on if this person's a perp or not. Yeah. And there's a specific detail we'll talk about later that it makes all the difference in whether these things transpire into something more serious. Um, but we'll talk about that mm-hmm. in a bit. So now let's talk about taking action because it's definitely not something that's easy, but it can make a huge difference in the child's future. So you want to talk about that? Mm -hmm. It's not always easy to identify child sexual abuse, and it can be even more challenging to step in if you suspect something isn't right. If a child tells you that someone makes them uncomfortable, even if they can't tell you anything specific, 
listen. Talk to someone who can help you figure out if this is something that must be reported, such as a staff member from your local sexual assault service provider. In the meantime, if you are the parent or have influence over the child's schedule, avoid putting the child in a potentially unsafe situation. Remember, you are not alone. If you suspect sexual abuse, you can talk to someone who is trained to help. Call the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 800-656-HOPE or 4673 or chat online at online.rain.org. Yeah, again, that's 800-656-4673 and online.rain.org. So, I mean, it's an awesome website. It's got a lot of resources. And, mm-hmm. I mean, it's an important organization to exist because... Yeah, I've checked it out before. Oh, really? Well, because... Of that store that wanted us to sponsor, wanted to sponsor us, but it was fake. Remember, they said they gave their profits to Rain. Oh so yeah. So I looked it up and I emailed. <laughs> yeah, that well, that was very smart of you to check Thank with you. the organization they were claiming to donate to. Thank you, sir. And well, I figured it, that might have been like a one-time, like one month they give their profits to one organization, another month they do it to another one, but Doesn't I matter. don't know. It could have just not been donated yet, but <laughs> I don't care. I think the opportunity's passed anyway. <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> okay, so every situation is obviously unique, but like we mentioned a little earlier, they often start with grooming the target. So we're going to talk about what grooming actually is, and we found a great video from Katie Morton on YouTube. Um, if you haven't, definitely go check out her channel. She's yeah, she's got really a- good. Oh, you've seen her before? Well, didn't we listen to her on the way home? Oh, yeah, that's right. Chicago? Yeah, she's actually an author. She's got a book out about mental health. Um, So she's doing really good work. But she made a video called Seven Signs of Grooming by a Sexual Predator. And so that's kind of going to be our source for the rest of the episode. And these steps can apply to anyone, but we're specifically going to be discussing how they apply to child victims and expanding on these points. Katie said she took her knowledge from reading several different books about these tactics. They all had a different amount of tactics, you know. They were all kind of the personal author's take on Mm -hmm. it. But she broke several different books down into her own seven stages of child targeting. And I thought that it it covered the bases really well. So Yeah, yeah, definitely. So first let's talk about step one, identifying the victim. And this one's pretty straightforward. The abuser will usually find their target before ever starting the grooming process. Mm-hmm. Now, there are a lot of different reasons that someone could be targeted. They may see an easy way in for themselves, whether it's a vulnerability, like a child with a lot of freedom and not much supervision, or a child of a close trusted friend. Or it could be the way someone looks. Now, it's important to realize that no matter why a person is targeted, it's not their fault that they're being targeted. Yeah. Um, So number two is gaining trust and access. And the scary part about this one is it can be done in a very subtle way. Some of these people can be master manipulators and they are able to instill in you 
the adult that's supposed to be protecting the child a very genuine feeling of trust for them mm-hmm. and in the child. Right. Katie gave examples of how this could be done from offering to help tutor a child to helping the parents of the victim with loading a car. They're just trying to find a way into the life of their target and work toward building that trust. Katie stressed that this isn't an overt action that's easy to recognize. These actions appear to just be normal actions that a kind person would do, but they're intended to gain the trust of the target and of the target's parents. And of course, we aren't saying that everyone that's nice to you is trying to manipulate you. There's a lot more to this process than just being a nice, helpful person. So um, let's move into the third point, filling an important need in their life. Sadly, this is a lot easier with inexperienced children because they haven't dealt with as many people in life. And of course, I'm not saying that kids are stupid. They just lack the experience and they need the help of adults that truly care for them to protect them from this type of manipulation. This could range from giving the child money to buy candy or buying the child gifts that they wouldn't have gotten from their parents. They're intended to make the child feel safe and feel like they are the only person that can fill a certain role for them. Yeah, so along with that, it's intended to make their target feel like they just can't live without this person and they need this person in their life. You know, it's it's a powerful bond that they're trying to form to avoid ever getting caught. Mm -hmm. And up until this point, these actions are mostly innocent. The ones we've talked about, like parents really don't start worrying about these things too much. But this next stage that we're going to talk about is where it crosses a line. And this is what I was talking about earlier when I was like, this is the point where parents can make a huge difference. If they just don't let this one thing happen. Um, and let me just say, we don't recommend you let anyone get to this next stage with your child. And we know every situation is different, different, and it's up to the parent to make the call. And sometimes it can't be avoided. But honestly, this next stage is what makes the abuse possible. Mm-hmm. So, Rosie, you want to share what that is? Isolating the target. Predators will try to get their target in a situation where they are alone together. It can be giving them a ride home from school or taking them to do something fun. Or like we mentioned earlier, tutoring. And I don't know if there's any reason for a tutor to ever need to be alone with a child, right? No, you can always, like, isn't, don't you go to a library to get tutored (laughs) or sit at the kitchen table? Yeah, or yeah, out in the middle of the house where everyone's right. moseying around. Right. So the scary underlying objective during this stage is establishing trust. And often this stage will go on and on without the predator actually making a move because it's designed to make you feel like you can trust this person. So yeah, there might be nothing bad that the person is doing, but they're establishing trust that they can use later Mm -hmm. if they have bad motives. So, but like I said before, this is one that can easily be avoided unless you need like, you know, a babysitter or nanny for your kids or something. But otherwise there's really no reason for a child to be alone with another 
with an adult that's right. not their parent. So, right. So the next stage is creating secrecy within the relationship. And this part is a huge, you know, it's a huge part of the manipulation of the child's emotions. The predator will react to certain things the child says by subtly creating shame around it. They may say, I wouldn't tell anyone that, or telling the child that they're weird for a certain thing, with the goal of making the target feel like something is wrong with them. But then they offer the solace of saying, but you can tell me, I would never judge you or make you feel bad for that. And it's a way of making the child feel like they have this close, almost best friend-like relationship with the predator and typically forms while they're alone. So again, if we can avoid step four, being alone, it makes the rest of this impossible pretty much. Mm-hmm. Once the relationship is formed, the predator may also threaten the child by saying they'll harm themselves or share some secret that they've shamed the child for with everybody else. Yeah, and this is scary. The fact that the predator will take something the child said innocently, you know, with no qualms and make the child feel ashamed of it and then use that shame against them later almost as blackmail saying, if you tell anyone what we've been doing, I'll tell them your shameful secrets. It's such a deep and scary form of manipulation, but it really helps you understand why children might be so fearful to come forward when they're being abused. Mm-hmm. So the next part is sexualizing the relationship. And this part is obviously the end game of the predator. This is what they're putting in all this work for, to be able to have a sexual relationship with their target. Mm-hmm. Again, this won't always be obvious and overt at first. The predator will get the target in vulnerable situations, and at first they won't do anything sexual. But first they'll build trust from the child by getting into these vulnerable situations and making the child feel okay. This could start out as innocently as putting an arm around the target, linking arms or holding hands to walk, or rubbing their back things parents typically do with their children. And it would seem innocent on the outside, but it could actually be giving the predator some type of nasty gratification. Mm -hmm. Predators will also set up scenarios with their target where it's normal to be naked in front of each other, like going swimming somewhere and changing into a swimsuit. And this is scary because... You know, young children can't go into changing rooms by themselves. An adult has to help them. But if the adult is a pervert and getting some kind of sexual gratification from this while also creating this trust with the child where they can be naked in front of them, it's working toward the predator's evil goals. And again, if we can avoid step four, we can avoid all of this. Of course, like I mentioned earlier, life isn't that simple. Parents can't be with their children 24-7. They may need to rely on babysitters or nannies. But there's nothing wrong with having some kind of monitoring on them, maybe. And also, this is what we mentioned earlier, talking to your children about the time that they spend alone with other adults and educating them about what is right and what's wrong so they know what would be inappropriate. You know, it's never too early to start doing that. And it's also important to help them realize they can feel safe talking to you and that if someone does something bad to them, It's not their fault because, again, the goal is making them feel comfortable enough with being able to 
tell you about the things mm -hmm. that you've helped them learn are inappropriate. The, yeah. The predator may also play on the child's natural curiosities about the body, making the child feel like it's okay to see another person's naked body, to learn about it. And this should go without saying, but a child cannot consent. So, you know, there's a right way and a wrong way to learn about the human body. There are, bio there are biology books and children's books that teach about the body. They don't need a random adult educating them about this. And mm -hmm. to think that they would ever use this is just, just so disgusting. I still remember my book my mom got me. Everybody Poops? No. <laughs> is that what you got? Isn't no, that just about get, pooping? Rosie, I did not get any education about anything from my parents. My mom gave me a book. Like, I can't remember what it was called. It's all about my body or something. It was really <laughs> I'm sorry. What I just said was so unfair because my parents did teach me a lot. It's just about taboo things they didn't teach me oh. about. And it got really uncomfortable I whenever we talked about it. in my book, like, there were vivid illustrations about how to put a tampon like in Like the cartoon. Stuff. Oh. Well, mine was about girl stuff. Yeah. See? But that proves my point that... There are appropriate books mm -hmm. for this type of thing. An adult, never, not even parents, need to show them this with their own bodies. You know, it's. My aunt showed me how to put a tampon in. <laughs> you can cut that part out, actually. I'm dying. <laughs> and my book really did have that illustration. That was real. Um, and I remember you know sitting with my friends, and we would open it up, and we'd be like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, To each his own, you know. There were obviously no sexual bad intentions right? Uh, in that situation. It's just, you know, there are other ways. I don't know anything about that, so <laughs> I won't talk like I'm an authority, because I've never had to learn how to put a tampon in. And <laughs> okay. So... I won't pretend to... <laughs> to be an expert on that? Yeah. Okay. But let's get to the seventh and final uh, aspect that we're going to talk about today. It's mm -hmm. controlling the relationship. And this part is a culmination of all the grooming we've already talked about. This is where the predator uses the dependence a target has on them or the power they have to control their victim. And again, we talk a lot about power imbalance within abusive relationships, mm -hmm. and this is how it's created. Right. The predator will use these different facets to keep their victim from ending the relationship. Whether it's the gifts that they've been buying, or a secret they've shamed the victim for, but promise to keep it as long as they don't talk about the sexual relationship. And this is especially scary when it's someone like a teacher who is well-respected and has control over their victim's future, mm -hmm. or at least, you know, that's what they make their victims think. Is that, you got somebody in mind when you say that? Well, we did just talk about Brittany Zamora, mm -hmm. which if you haven't heard that, is it, what is it, episode 64? No, I'm way off. Or five? You'll find it. Yeah, I'm starting to lose track because there's been so many episodes. But, yeah, definitely go listen to Brittany Zamora's because you can see how she built up this trust mm -hmm. and then abused it. All right. This could also be based on an emotional need the predator has been filling. 
If the predator is telling their victim over and over that they're the only ones that can understand them, or the only ones that can give them what they need, or that everybody else will think there's something wrong with them if the truth gets out, the victim starts to believe it. And this is especially effective on children because, again, they don't have the life experience. And this is where that big, dumb S word comes back into the equation. Shame. The predator will use shame to make the victim feel like they're unlovable by anyone else or that they are to blame for what's been happening to them. And like the only person they can talk to about it is their abuser. It's an awful and devastating trap that the abuser has laid from the first stage of the relationship, and it's what prevents children from wanting to talk about it. All these stages we've talked about are flat-out manipulation and abuse, and it's important as adults to be able to identify it before it's too late, and also to make sure children know that if they are in this trap, they're not to blame. Heck, all the information we talked about here would be good for a child to learn themselves. If they were educated and free from the trap of shame, they would be a lot less likely to be trapped in this type of situation. And again, we can free them from that trap of shame by making them realize that if any of these things happen to them, it's not their fault, and they can talk to us about it. There's such a problem with the whole concept of shame and taboos that make these type of child abuse situations possible. The abusers are able to force their victim into keeping a secret based on the concept of shame and taboos, and I hate it. I think it should all be able to be talked about openly and honestly, and if we make it a practice to educate our children from a young age about all this, they might be a lot less likely to be abused. Mm -hmm. And why not? Kids aren't dumb. They're capable of being taught. They just can't know things until someone teaches them. So why not start as soon as possible? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't. It still baffles my mind that kids aren't given more education in school about sexual abuse. And, you know, like there's there's sex ed and there's, you know, phi ed, pointless classes, really. Yeah. And and like. Uh, we haven't been in school for a while, so maybe well, maybe it's <laughs> maybe it's improved since then. But maybe. all I ever learned, all they ever said about stuff like this was super vague stuff, like yeah. stranger danger, I mean, expecting us to know what that means. At a modern time, where we can talk about sexual abuse and what to look out for. Yeah, especially yeah. there's been so much that has come out in the past couple decades about stuff that people in power take advantage of and mm -hmm. use to abuse children. And it's something that this generation is a lot more aware of, I think. And why not use that to our advantage to help prevent as much as we can? Right. So you mentioned a video earlier. I did. That you were very passionate about <laughs> that you've shown your own children. Right. Well, your nanny children. So me and my boss were kind of talking about it. And my boss found this video, and it is a real DVD. You can buy it. It's Safe Side Super Chick. Oh, it's not on YouTube? Well, I'm, I'm sure it is. But this is a <laughs> physical copy we have. Oh, wow. <laughs> and um, the actual name of the movie is Stranger Safety Hot Tips to Keep Cool Kids Safe. I believe. Wasn't it also called The Safe Side? The Safe Side. That's like the series. There's oh, okay. different 
movies. Each movie is only like um, 40 minutes long. Okay, so not too long to lose a child's attention. And they're super silly and like goofy. Like they're not very, they're not daunting at all. And they're super, I don't know, I think they're good for kids. The one that I've watched with my kids was The Stranger Safety, Mm -hmm. which isn't exactly, they don't say anything about like strangers touching you in bad places or anything like that. But it's, it's a good, um, way to dip your feet in with the conversation i think yeah a good gateway you know if you watch a movie with your kids and then ask them what they think about it and so some of the highlights that i like about it are um the list that they talk about making three safe adults your safe side adults Mm. so the parent the whole point is for the parents to give your kids three names and these are the people that you're safe with or should be safe with and these are the ones that uh, yeah. you can be alone with. But other safe, or other adults that come into your safe side circle, it's like a safety circle. If they but getting, they're not on the list. If they're not on the list, then you should tell your parents. Okay. But I think it's actually a really, I mean, it's yeah. solid. As long as the wrong person doesn't weasel their way onto that list. Well, yeah, but parents, you need to figure yeah. out your list. Exactly. <laughs> you know? But it's super good. And, and there's a examples and safe side super chick gives out safety badges to the kids wow anyways one of the examples is this boy and he's doing homework and one of his dad's friends comes up to him puts his hand on the boy's shoulder which was a huge no-no in the video Mm, good it says hey i've got some really cool um toy cars in my car i don't think your dad will mind if you come out with me and look (gasps) at them and the dad's in the house he's like downstairs watching tv and all these friends are over yeah and the safe side super chick's like, stop. What do you think we should do? That's a tactic is uh, saying yeah. your parents won't mind if you do this. Exactly. And they believe the kids believe it because it's an adult saying it. So the whole and she says, like, if your parents aren't there, then why is this, you know, why is this guy saying that your parents said it was OK when your parents are not around? Anyways, it's really good. It's got some solid tips. May I ask what year was it made? Um, Probably like 07. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, uh, that's what I was thinking, early 2000s. Well, yeah. it just screams 90s to me, but just by hearing the <laughs> titles. Um, they also have a CD that we've been listening to. Parents, it's going to drive you nuts after a while, but it's good. And it's geared more towards Younger. like under 10? Yeah, I would say from ages like 4 to 10. Oh, good. Or the age group that that one's for. But there's a lot of other ones. That's the only one I've seen, though. Cool. Well, that's really good and corny, I mean, yes, but good. <laughs> and but then the the other thing we talked about is how a lot of the people that practice this grooming process are people that are already in that safe zone, you know. Well, yeah, but well, I'm not I'm not discrediting dis- what, what you're saying. Sure. I'm just you know, mm-hmm. no matter who a person is, you can never trust them a hundred percent. You know, everyone. I mean, even us. Every person in existence needs to be constantly kept in check, and mm-hmm. we can all well, it's more help like each other with that. These safe say adults are the ones that are allowed to pick you up from school. Like, don't let your coach tell you. And that was another one. Like the coach was like, "Hey, your mom said I could take you home because oh, she's sick." Yeah. But if it's not on your safe side list, then you can't trust him. Again, I'm not discrediting any of these tips. They're all really super important. Good. You know? Another thing that I didn't really talk about much in this outline is, you know, 
we all need to keep ourselves in check as adults, you know? You're saying you know so much. You're such a Minnesotan right now. Yeah, no. <laughs> Yopers. <laughs> All for fun. <laughs> <laughs> you got to say that in a more Minnesotan accent. All for fun. <laughs> All for fun. Get a hot dish. Oh, my gosh. We're probably pissing off so many people right now. All right. So I think we've talked about this enough, though, mm-hmm. for this episode because we don't want to give too much information and have it be overwhelming and Hopefully it didn't feel like we were just spewing facts at you because it wasn't much of a story-based episode. It's more of a resource that we wanted to create, like a one-stop. Here's a lot of things about that people will use to groom a child. Remember that video we watched or listened to on the way home from Chicago? Yes. Where an actual... Ex-child predator was talking about their tactics. Yes. And the biggest thing he stressed is monitor your children's devices. We should get the audio Because if the parents would have monitored this guy's victim's Mm -hmm. devices, there's no way he could have done what he did. Because that's the thing with isolating children. It's so much easier now that there's the internet and mobile devices because when you're messaging someone direct messaging you're alone that's a private space and so parents need to be monitoring especially like under 12 Mm, under 16 (laughs) yeah yeah i mean it's up to every parent to make the decision but but an ex-perp who was that in was prison. Insane. Yeah. There was a couple admit, of different guys. Yeah. And they said the biggest thing was the the children weren't monitored. But you know what was interesting about that video? They were both guys, and they said that they had asked female predators, and none of them would do it. Only the males. Yeah. Interesting. I wonder what the ratio is, though. There's probably, like, I think it's probably way more options higher. for guys. Yeah. I don't know, but... And maybe the female predators felt a little more ashamed. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? But here's another detail I want to bring up this week is Brittany Zamora was sentenced... Yes. 20 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you think about that? Um, I'm glad she got 20 years, and a lot of perps don't get that much. Uh, yeah, so. I think it's setting a good precedent because yeah. we talked about it on the car ride home, mm-hmm. the situation she put her student in wasn't much different than the situation you experienced personally. And mm-hmm. if you haven't heard Rosie's story, that's episode 18. But I think that 20 years is probably a, a solid chunk of time. Yeah. And She's young. She's going to be losing a lot of good years. I know. And I'd like to see more consistency in in the sentencing because... Like I brought up when we talked about it, your abuser got three months. Yeah. There's a huge gap there. And it's, you know, it's great to see them taking these things more seriously, but it also shows how recently people have actually started taking this seriously. Well, and we talked about, we think that the more public it is, the more publicity you get. That's true, but that shouldn't make a difference because that's just. You know, judges trying to get the public off their back, if that's the case. Yeah. Where in reality, it should be about 
you know, getting justice for the victim. Yeah. And and to see such a huge gap in sentencing for pretty much the same action just within a decade of time, it shows how far people have come as far as recognizing this as a real problem. Mm-hmm. So that's good. Yeah. But at the same time, it's a little disappointing. But that's just that's just me being protective of you. That's really so, sweet. But anyway, I think that she got a decent crime or <laughs> different uh, uh, punishment. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say. I think that was a solid punishment because well, I don't give her any pity because she knew exactly what she was doing. Yeah, and think of the impact that's going to have on her victim mm-hmm. the rest of his life. All those people out there that are like, "Oh, the kid was wanting it." Go to H E Double Hockey Sticks. and that's the word with rosie (laughs) you heard with purr (laughs) anyway that's all i got that's it okay there was one more thing oh yeah we listened to a video interviewing it played some of the recordings of the police interviews with the children that Brittany. And the kid that we talked about that was watching the door for them, he sounded, little, he so little. sounded like a baby, a shrimp. He was so young. And it was just like, it put it in perspective, like reality, like, holy crap. That's what I think. This kid who she was asking yeah. him about his, whether he was circumcised or not, yeah. was little. such a little kid. And it's she such, showed him penises on her phone. Such a problem with people watching movies about like high school middle school students and assuming that they're like adults 30 year olds that play high school students like we gotta put ourselves in perspective or look at the yeah who high school students really are and we're not not even talking about high school students though this was middle school school. but my whole point is that we assume so much (laughs) that's what's nice about stranger things is they actually (laughs) use the real age of kids, but then there's a whole okay. t- discussion of is it right to have a child be famous that young? Well, no, because it's super hard. It's super hard on them. Anyway, that's a whole nother discussion and it. something we're also not qualified for. Um, so, will you talk about our what's our threadless store address again? Because people keep wanting shirts. Yes, vovpodcast.threadless.com. And I have a new design. You gotta throw it up. Yeah, you should work on that. Uh, or we we should work on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Again, we just wanted to create a podcast format resource for parents and anyone to listen to and familiarize themselves with the tactics of predators. Honestly, we learned a lot making this episode, and, you know, the memories don't or at least my memory doesn't work that well. So this is an episode I'm probably going to come back to and listen to regularly just to continue to remember the different things to look out for. But we just wanted to do the research and educate ourselves first and then share what we learned with you. So hopefully this episode can be a helpful resource that you can share with anyone, especially if they are responsible for children. So Mm -hmm. What do we know? We're just two 20-something-year-old kids with no children of our own. But we didn't get any of this information from ourselves. It was all from professionals. So Rosie wants to wrap things up. 
So, do we have any cat news? Mm, no. Nope. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, yes. You can follow us on Instagram at VOV Podcast, Twitter at VOV Pod, email us at VOV Podcast at gmail.com. And if you want to leave us a five star review, we'll read it. I was trying to say that really fast, and we're going. <laughs> if you want to leave us a five star review, we will read it gladly. Oh, yeah. We didn't put any in this outline, did we? No, we forgot. That's okay. Should we pause it quick and grab some? Okay, sorry guys, Rosie called it. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, I think that's it. Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next week.